Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, as usual, the very fantastic Jojo, the co-host of Co-host. Here we go, Jojo! <laughs> Hi there, Graham. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. So, no howdy do, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. come on. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I'm not feeling the howdy do. Today. You don't feel the howdy do? Oh, my yeah. Lord, you're not feeling the howdy do. I don't want to fake the howdy do. Hey, I, I, I hear you. <laughs> I, hey, I hear you, man. I'm with you. We don't we don't do anything fake around here. We do things because we're about it. <laughs> so today we bring an episode for you that you know it's sort of like our closing the year type of episode, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, uh, I guess it really is. Yeah. So last week we did the year in review. Yes. Uh, we liked it. It was an actually very, very fantastic episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, for the first time, I think we did an episode of about two hours and 35 minutes. We did a um, movie. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing is, I was a little bit um, torn as to whether or not we should release such a um a long episode because we've never done that. I mean, we've done some long ass episodes, haven't we? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but two hours and 35 minutes uh, was a bit too much. But from my own experience, I, I'm one of those dudes that never goes back to listen to or to watch anything set in two parts. Mm-hmm. So I just start the first part and wherever it's left off, it, 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 I, I just don't see myself going back. I almost never do. And I felt like the second part, if you will, of this episode was good enough that I didn't want anybody to just not not do it. And so I'm like, we're going to do the entire thing. And, you know, if it's too long and people want to listen to it, you know, every now and then, that's perfectly fine. But uh, I don't know that I, I, I it is a successful thing to do. Uh, so... Uh, apparently, people are listening to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the the thing is, I went back and listened to the episode because I, I think I've told you the, uh, I've told you this on the day that the episode comes out. I always go and listen to to the episode uh, from the perspective of a listener. I want to hear the things that we failed to mention the things that we, where we, 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 the things we're doing right and the things that we could possibly do better. Right. And I was a bit fearful that it might be tedious to listen to uh, because of, of how long it was, but actually in two trips back and forth to work, I was able to listen to the full episode and it, I didn't feel like, oh, maybe I should skip this or I should skip that. So I don't know. I hope that folks that are listening to it still can see what I'm talking about here. But I think it was, uh, I think it was 
a good enough episode to listen to the entire two hours and a half. <laughs> but with that said, this is our last episode of the year. And boy, do we bring you something that is very, very, very good. I didn't think we were going to find such content towards the end of the year, eh, George? Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a interesting year, so uh, it's it's good to find something good to talk about. Yes, definitely. So the movie, actually today we are talking about a movie. It is on Netflix. It is called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And what a weird, what a re- weird title for a movie, but you probably are familiar with August Wilson's play, Marini's Black Bottom. So it is based on August Wilson's play. And uh, it is from, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of when plays are translated into movie because I feel like it is, they feel obliged to take some liberties that, that shouldn't be taken. Uh, so, sort of like the corrupt the essence of a play in order to turn it into a movie. But I didn't think that was the case here, Jojo. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I felt that you could definitely tell it was sourced from a play in some of the, the I guess, the the blocking, maybe the styling, the dialogue. But at yes. the same time, it, it didn't feel, as you said, it did not feel disrespectful to the play or feel like it over overindulged or, or anything like that in, in, in any, in any way. Yeah. And, and I think also the other significant part of this is the fact that this is definitely the very last thing we'll ever see Chadwick Boseman did in live. Yeah. And it, it makes you think, why did we lose such a, treasurable young men, you know, yeah. because what a, what a tragic character he played in perhaps the most tragic moment of his life. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about this, but uh, of course, the task of every week, it is for Jojo to put together a picture of whatever we're talking about. <laughs> and uh, I don't know anybody else who can do it as good as well as do- as Jojo does. So please, Jojo, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so we are discussing uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which, uh, as we've already said, is a movie based on a play. The play was written in the 80s, originally performed in the 80s. It is based on a true life character named Ma Rainey. And the play is about a dramatized or fictionalized, imagined recording session spent through a most of a day into the evening where she's recording albums in Chicago for her manager and a record producer. And it's all about the, the story of the blues, the story of the black experience, the story of the queer experience. And uh, it's set, I should say, in the 20s. So Ma Rainey was a bit of a, uh, a revolutionist in the fact that she was one of the, some, some of the first 
recording artists to record her music. Uh, it was kind of a, a flash in the pan type thing they considered back then. They didn't really think that recording was going to catch on or become a thing. So, but she saw the the future in that and understood that that was be a good way to make some money. And so this just follows the story, kind of a microcosm of her life, the life of her band members. And uh, it's a very emotional, very fraught, very um, powerful story uh, about the experience of these artists through the day. Again, that's Jojo for you, putting it as clearly uh, as today. And and at the same time, not leaving you with the sense that of, you know, everything there is to know that you shouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> I can't do that. I've never been able to do that. I will spoil it for you if I'm the one <laughs> tasked to tell you what the movie is all about. But you know what this movie is all about. And now you want to watch it, too, because Jojo does this, right? Jojo, so let's talk about this movie because... You, you've put it very well in, 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 in perspective for us. Ma Rainey, I think about Ma Rainey in, in the way that she's portrayed, in the way that the personality that was given to her. And I'm not entirely sure that August Wilson veered off too far from the real Ma Rainey because I think I heard an interview, an old interview with with August Wilson, and he was saying he didn't go in and to find biographical data because he wanted to create a play about a day in the life of Marini that was mostly from the perspective of the recording session, but. He, he wasn't telling the life story of Ma Rainey, so he, he didn't feel like he needed to go after a lot of biographical data. Having said that, Ma Rainey is everything that you, you, you see. That if you go and do your own little research, Ma Rainey is as flamboyant, as in your face, as boss as she is portrayed by Viola Davis in this movie. And of course, I think the only person who could do such justice to Marini in, in, in her portrayal is uh, Viola Davis. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I keep comparing, like bringing, coming back to today's artists uh, that are alive in terms of personality, in terms of, of flamboyancy. And I, I think the only person I could compare Marini to is... Um, What's her name? Cardi B, if you will, in, in terms of the of the in your face, I'm you know, I'm here to stay type of thing. And, you know, you better give me what I'm owed, you, you know. So what, what do you think of this comparison? Am I am I far off? <laughs> no, I I uh, I mean, I wouldn't have made the correlation between the two, but that that doesn't mean anything at all. I, I agree with you because it, Ma Rainey was definitely someone who understood her worth in the eyes of these contract people, the, 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 the managers, the money men. And she understood that if she let them walk all over her, then that's what's what it was going to happen. So, and, and this is portrayed of course in the movie, but also in real life, she 
knew how the world worked and she was who she was. She was unapologetic about it. And she got what she wanted from these men who controlled everything just by dint of her stronger intelligence and her ability to say, nope, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And, and rarely an artist is a good business person. Isn't it? Very true. Very true. <laughs> very true. Sadly, very true. Yeah. And she was like, look, man, I understand the, the business side of this and I know that I am the business. Yes. Right. And that to me was like the truth but like she, she wasn't, she wasn't romantic about, about her art, no. <laughs> you know, no. I actually think that was the difference between Ma Rainey and the very ambitious young men that Chadwick Boseman um, portrayed the idea of like, yeah, I want to do art and I'm going to be this, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be all of that. And Ma Rainey is like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all of these, but also I'm in it to make that money. Yes. And you're going to pay me what I'm owed. You're going to pay me what I am worth more than anything else. Yes. Yes. I think maybe there's a little bit of of maybe in the artist that shies away from from that sort of of idea of of pushing for money in the sense of they've been told, oh, you're selling out. You're this, you're that. Um, And I think that Ma Rainey understood the fact that it wasn't selling out to demand your worth, um, that just because it's art, because it's art doesn't mean it's something that isn't going to pay the bills. And she understood that and was able to, to make that part of her, I guess, legacy. Yeah. And, and I also think that maybe what made it feel like it still kept the very much, very essence of the play. Like all of the scenes that we see in the band room, the dialogue is no different from, from the, the, the dialogue, the intensity of a play for, for moments. It was, it was that it was watching a play take place in, 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 in just a little room, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I did read a review where someone was very unhappy with that 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 someone had made made this movie and not pushed it very hard to be a movie and and had kept so many of the play elements they felt that it bogged it down as a movie. I am obviously not a film critic, so I I can't speak to that, but I don't. I didn't feel that it bogged it down or took anything away from the story to keep it as a play. Um, I felt in some ways it made it much more powerful and interesting, you know, especially right now, we don't have the ability to go to a play. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, um, I, I, I disagree with them in that a little bit, but I, I, I understand what they were trying to say. You know, if you're going to make a movie, make a movie, but I, I feel that the, the keeping it as a as a play was as a as the blocking and the and the dialogue and everything I think made it sort of made you understand a little bit more about about what was trying to be said. But again, I, I think whoever the critic might be is looking at this from a very binary sense of uh, point of view too, because I think we've we all used to the either 
a play is a play and cannot be made a movie, or not every play can become a movie. But you know, this particular movie shows that you can, you can actually make a movie out of a play as long as you are willing to respect the origin of 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 the earth, right? And that it was a play, and it can certainly be presented as a play, even though it is a movie. And I think they have done exactly that. And I wouldn't, if I were in charge, if I were part of the of the production, I wouldn't have changed anything at all. No, no, I agree. So let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of uh, the other characters. And I want to say there is a, an incredible piece of critique of the villain in the movie. In in one of the brilliant things that I see happening here is that you don't have a specific villain, but rather society at large yeah. is the villain here because yeah. the movie is set in the 1920s, as you mentioned before, 1927. And largely what this movie um reflects upon is the migration of black southerners to the north to the northern states to just to have just a tad bit more of freedom because at the time of course it's still a largely uh, segregated country a uh, racial divide is um, as harsh as it, as it, it's it's ever been but at the same time being black in the south was an actual danger to your own life and so not only were you not able to find work not only were you not able to 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 live comfortably but also you had to basically dodge death uh, for the entirety of your life which is what created the the great black migration into the northern states. That's that's what gave the naissance of Harlem, you know, Bedford Stuyvesant in New York, in, in Chicago, uh, the the huge black population in 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 Chicago or Missouri, in all of these places. And but the crazy thing is, you know, you. Moving to the to the north was only a question of well, at least here I get I get a job, and um, I get to create a community and stay within that community as opposed to you have no rights anywhere in the south. And so, within that dynamic, what we see happens here is that Marini knows that there is success to have in Harlem. There is success to have in the North. But she understood that in the South, she is sort of like the queen of an entire community. In that she has made a conscious decision of, I'm going to use the North for the business end of my, mm -hmm. of my artistry. But this is where my art is going to be made. Yes. Is that, is that how you saw it too? 
Yes, yes, I did. That she understood that if if we're going to make money at this, I need to move things to you know where the money is, and but I'm also going to continue to understand that you know my fans and my roots are are in the south, but um, I'm also going to make money at this at this thing, and um, I think that's laudable to to understand that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to do my thing, and I'm. I'm also going to have it pay the bills. Yes, and and it worked. It worked out for her. Uh, I want to say. Um, also, I think Marini probably was the very first uh, artist that understood that she had the power to be who she wanted to be within the limitations that existed, but she wanted who she wanted to be the, the life that she wanted to live, that she, she, she did that. And, you know, you talked about, you, you touched a bit on the, on the queerness uh, uh, part of it. And, and certain artists were able to, to be that in Harlem, but Harlem was a cocoon, right? For black artists uh, of the time. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, opioid addiction in Harlem was rampant and, and that, that, um, contributed to the tragic end of a lot of very, very great artists of the time. And so that too is, is, is a, when you think about it, that the fact that she decided to stay confined, you know, to use the, 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 the northern part for what she needed and then return back to Memphis and do whatever she wanted and live the way she wanted is, 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 is genius for me. Mm-hmm. The character played by Chadwick Boseman, I want you to tell me, what, what do you think? of uh, this creation of August Wilson, because it is a creation. Yes. Levy is very, uh, he's a very complicated character. He's had an incredibly traumatic youth and upbringing. And with that trauma comes the, the impression of violence that's left on one's soul when that kind of thing happens to, to a person growing up. And it's the kind of thing that nobody can ever get over what happened to him. It's not the kind of thing that anybody can ever get over. And that dominates and leads his whole life, his whole push, I guess, to, to do what he wants to do, to be who he wants to be, his whole understanding of the, how the world works. And there's a lot of great dialogue and monologues from the character that Chadwick Boseman is so transcendent in doing. He is, he is a man who's dying and knows he's dying Chadwick Boseman. And I, I don't know if he knew this was going to be his last film, but he certainly put so much of the flame of his life in this portrayal of this very talented, very damaged man that, it, the whole movie is is worth everything just to watch him. Yeah, I 
And that's exactly what I did, I think. As long as I, uh, as Chadwick Boseman was on on the frame, in the frame, I just I just looked at him, and it was almost like let me take a very last look again and again and again and again, and I almost felt like I should go back and play the movie again just so I I, I didn't think that I was gonna feel that way, you know what I mean. I thought I was ready because, you know, it's been what, about five months since uh, he passed away. It was sort of like in the middle of the summer. And, you know, you you th- you think we've gotten used to the fact that he's no longer with us. But I think there's something about knowing that this was his very last one. And you want to sort of like hold on to every word he says every move he makes um, and you want to cherish that performance a little bit more than you've ever did. Like, you know, everything else that you saw of him, you probably took uh, for granted because you felt, yeah, it's a young man. He's going to be here for a while. Right. But then all of a sudden you're watching the very last time that he did something and you feel like, yeah, but the character of Levy is a portrayal of a man who has had the same experience of probably of a soldier who, who's been to war and is living with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, it is heartbreaking in so many ways because there is a lot of uh, analogies here. The end of the movie is about stepping on my shoes. Yes. Stepping on my shoes. But the entire movie is how Levy didn't mind stepping on others' shoes in order to get what he wanted because he was young, he was full of life, he was full of ambition and to a certain extent immature. So he wasn't very political about getting to where he wanted. And he was playing a game that Ma Rainey had all the life experiences to to play that game and win. Whereas he, Levy, was young, immature, inexperienced, and all he had to show for himself was the talent. Yes. And so it almost juxtaposes, um, like there's a part of the Bible that says, like, faith without deed is nothing... And it, it, I don't know, it's, it's sort of like an exposition of that, isn't it? You may have all the talent in the world, but you need something else. You need something else to, to push you. You need, you need some help. And you have to take that help where you can. You, you have to pay your dues. Um, you know, otherwise it may end in tragedy. Yeah. So... 
Yeah. So that was all what I saw in this character. And uh, I, there's, there's, there's a ton of talented actors who could have played this character. But I'm glad that Chadwick was was cast to play this character, and um, um, all I can think, all I could think of, and was you know, Chadwick better be nominated for best supporting actor, and it better not be some posthumous shit. Like anyone who thinks, no seriously, anyone who thinks that. Oh, yeah, because Chadwick is dead now. Everybody, no, 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 no. You have to see, you have to watch this movie. And then you will see to yourself, yeah, man, the man deserves this. It's no, it's not about, you know, he's dead and this is the last hurrah for him, for him. No, 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 no. Had he been alive, he would have deserved it. And in death, he is deserving of every single accolade in this movie. Oh. Yeah, I, I do wonder, and it's, it's something, of course, that we'll never know how much of his knowledge of how serious his illness was um, colored his performance of this character, because there's so much poured into this character, so much life flame, so much fire that I it's just. I, I, I really wonder, um, I wonder if he knew this was his last film and it, it makes me angry and sad all over again, of course, that, that he died so young to see such talent and to know that he would have had so much more to give us. Um, that sounds very selfish to say to give us, but it was so much more to, to, to experience and, and show the world and give the world that, that we've lost now so much, so much goodness. And, you know, he wasn't, and it wasn't just that he was such a, a beautiful actor, but the fact that he also was a beautiful person yeah. um, and, uh, you know, a, a human being. And there's not enough of those left in the world. So it's it, losing one of those is, is just adds tragedy. It compounds the tragedy. It makes it even worse. Yeah, and you know, I think we we talked about how we we've been forced to think about everything, every movie, every performance we've seen from Chadwick Boseman uh, since his passing away, and we are all struggling to 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 see or to find somewhere where he wasn't entirely acting, where he wasn't entirely being the artist that he was, like I, I like. This guy didn't know what it means to phone it in, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. He he took he he took characters that perhaps weren't even had no depth to them and made them something to reckon with. And and he wasn't a lot of things like it, it wasn't. At the end of the day, I don't know that he was incredibly selective. He was a working actor, but he just he just made things happen with characters that he 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 took on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Like he uh, he was special. Yes, um, Viola Davis is is there. 
Is there any limit to Viola Davis's talent? Like seriously? <laughs> I'm seriously. I, I don't think there is. <laughs> it, it, like, that woman has uh, this incredible superpower. Um, gosh, like I, 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 I was looking at her right in her ability to forget about makeup for forget about you know period dressing and in in all of that the thing is what i see when i watch anything by viola davis is almost as though she just lends her body as a vessel for the character to just be so to a certain extent, for me, it's not an actress just acting, but rather somebody who got possessed by the spirit of whatever character he, she is playing. That's that's the, the, the best I can come up with. Because I believed every single moment in this movie that Viola Davis was Ma Rainey. Incarnated. <laughs> yep. I, I especially enjoyed. I, I I enjoyed all the scenes where I especially enjoyed the scene about the Coca Cola and, and, <laughs> and getting the cold Coca Cola. And I just felt that that was such. It, it, you know, it's it's a small scene and it's such a small thing. You would think, right? A small co- a, a cold Coca Cola. But she was like, "I'm not doing this till I get my goddamn Coca Cola." It was like. <laughs> This is this woman, you know, this, this is, this is the way we all should be. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your Coca-Cola, whatever your cold Coca-Cola is, this is what we all should be. Where should, we should, there should not be any of our, oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to do it this way. Oh, I'm going to, no, no, mm -mm, nope. I'm not doing shit until I get my cold (laughs) Coca-Cola. I, I, I loved that. It was, it was perfect. It was perfect. And then her, her breakdown of it afterwards saying, you know, they're so cheap. I'm making yeah. them so much money and they're so cheap. They won't, they didn't forget my cold Coca-Cola. They're so cheap. They don't want to buy me a cold Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if that was the case or not. That's immaterial. It was just the the whole, I, I'm not doing this until I get my Coke and I am not going to lower my <laughs> standards for anything, even if it's something as small to you as a cold, a cold Coca-Cola. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> I enjoy her drinking that Coca-Cola <laughs> that I paused it. And I wanted a Coke after that. <laughs> I paused it and I laughed and it was like almost in the middle of the night, right? So obviously my wife woke up and gave me the look. <laughs> but I'm like, just, just look at what she's doing because you can tell that she was trying to get on their nerves. She was like, um, you deal with people who are difficult all the time and you take it. You are not willing to take me as difficult because you don't see me as an artist with worth. You just see some, like the way she put it was beautiful. It's just some 50 cent whore that when you get done, you just roll over and pull your pen up. Yes. And I'm going to make you work for it. Yes. 
And uh, God, that, that was beautiful. That Coca-Cola moment was insane, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the guys in the band. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, the only one I know there is Glenn Terman, and I know that he's worked with uh, Viola before. In fact, he has a very nice stint on how to get away with murder. So I know this old dude as a very good uh, character actor, but of course he delivered. But the ensemble is almost as if they, you could tell that they had had the experience of being in the play or something, because he, they, they, it, it, every word that came out of them in the dialogue was, was poignant and beautifully said and, and, and be- beautifully acted. What do you think? I, I, yeah, they, they were very, they all had great chemistry together. I had no problem believing that they were all in a band together. Um, it was, they played the lines off of each other very well. The, 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 just the, the camaraderie and the understanding that, that seemed to come from knowing each other for many, many years and playing together for many, many years, I felt came through on the screen. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much they've worked together in acting, but they, they certainly made us feel that, that they were part of a band and, and, uh, and were, were, you know, very, very good together. And, and, and also trying to, you also felt the sort of outsiderness of, of Levy. Yeah. Um, the fact that he wasn't really, he was in the group, but he wasn't really in the yes, group. Yes, yes. And um, I felt that that was something that wasn't, to me, it wasn't like a, an obvious slap in the face thing. It was, you got the feeling after a while that they're not completely comfortable with him. He's yeah. kind of a wild card to them. Um, whereas you could feel the comfort that they all had with each other. Like, uh, you know, we we all play off of each other very well. And I I like, there's a moment where Levy actually challenges uh, the character of Glenn Terman because he, he, uh, Toledo, Toledo is the the proverbial black dude who's always challenging black people to do better, to be better, to do this, to do that, be, 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 be. And, And the young character of Levy was like, okay, so what are you doing? You know, like... Right. So you're telling people they should, but what do you do? What are you doing? And then he challenges also. So you hear being comfortable, being just, you know, someone who, who just doesn't want to push the push the page. But yet you are you keep talking about all of these challenges and be this, be that, wake up and uh, take charge and whatever. So what are you doing? What have you been doing? Yes. You know, and you could see that he felt trouble, but he didn't have an answer for that. Yes. Uh, you know, and so it, there's more to this character of Levy uh, than, than, than meets the eye. But yes, the, the notion that this was a solid group that to a certain extent refused or begrudgingly accepted Levy, but were always ready to throw him under the bus you could you could you could see that in um, it was a nice little ensemble 
<clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I think with Cutler too, you could kind of see an attempt to, to reach out to Levy to try to say, you know, I've, I've been doing this a long time. I've, I've been down the roads that you've been down and I know that f- for us, they're all dead ends. Yeah. Um, and didn't want him to get hurt. Uh, but uh, he, uh, being, being the artist that he was, the only way possible was for him to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most heartbreaking portion of this, um, of this entire movie, are the very two last scenes. And, you know, we're going to leave it for the audience to know. But the very, very last scene, as a matter of fact, is what shows the point that Marini was making in that little, it was a dialogue, but mostly a monologue when she sat with Cutler, Cutler in the, inside the studio and, and spoke. And, and I say it was a monologue because Cutler mostly just nodded and agreed. Um, yeah. So that made it a dialogue because there, there was somebody else there listening and, and nodding and agreeing. But uh, Marini's point came to shine. You know, and um, it, it showed the naivete of of Levy yeah. uh, in the end of at the end of the day, but also how shamelessly these producers and managers simply use like use these black artists to get what they wanted, and then be done with it, you know, no interest in what they could be in the future. Simply, I'll take them off your hands. Yeah. You know, and uh, that was it. Movies produced by Denzel Washington. Yeah. Uh, From what I understand, it's, uh, this is the second in, I think, 10 films that he worked uh, out to to be producing and and either starring or very deeply involved in so we we have a lot more to look forward to yeah and i think there's this whole legacy of august wilson that is in the in in production so i'd like to definitely see more of that you know yeah sometimes when you exist in the same universe as some of the greats you may be as great as them and and no one notices you until people start noticing you. That's true. You know, like when you exist, when you're writing in the same era that James Baldwin <laughs> is writing, you know, I mean, like, yeah, man, you forgive us, but there was James Baldwin. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So Ma is black bottom. Um, there is also a couple of um, analogies to the title of this song and 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 the the story that is told within this movie that I also was thinking about because Ma Rainey's black bottom is literally talking about you know a black black butt, but but the story told in Marini's Black Bottom, the movie in the play, is the very 
part the, the very sinkable darkness that people can get to in one day. It's uh, true. How you they may start away and then just simple simply go down the drain. It's very true. And so there is there are two interpretations to dark bottom in that respect for me. Yeah. Uh, but that's you know the overthinkingness of Graham. <laughs> Judge is going to be like, look, look, man, we didn't see the same movies. <laughs> no, no, I. Uh, that's that's a, a beautiful analogy. It's it's as because it this goes from uh, from highs to mids to lows to highs to the very bottom of of the worst day ever. So um, so yeah, I agree. Right. So <laughs> you can obviously watch this movie on Netflix and uh, uh, we highly recommend it, don't we, Tetra? We do. <laughs> and so in this very last episode of the year 2020, we want to take a moment to thank you for your support, for coming back to us uh, every Tuesday. Uh, and uh, for those of you who watch us on YouTube, thank you very much for your subscription. And if you are stumbling upon this channel for the very first time, also, we want to thank you for watching. And please don't forget to subscribe. Yes. On social media, we are there. You can just uh, check out Kicking and Streaming podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Pinterest. You can find Jocelyn on Instagram as... Jocelyn Podcast. Meanwhile, you will find me as Mr. Puzzetta, M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. So we are going to say um, Happy New Year, I suppose, for the remainder of uh, this year. And uh, we'll see you next year. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening for me and for Jojo. We're calling it today. Thank Bye you, now. everybody. Bye. Ciao. <laughs>